Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255. Do the days get any better than this? What a spectacular <laughs> July 2nd. And and what makes it even better, Dora joins us today, Frank. <laughs> I love it. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful out there. It's a perfect day to go and look for a house, isn't it? <laughs> go for a nice, <laughs> gas is cheaper, you go for a nice drive, you find the house you want, then you go Can to... Can you fr- believe it? $1.87, we're saying gas is cheaper, $1.87. I know. Come on. I know. Come on. No, it's not. I saw $1.85 on the way in. I was pretty excited. Wow. Go figure. People are going to line up for a buck 85. Go figure. Yeah, well, they're yeah, saying sure. it may be 210, 220 later this month. So enjoy yeah. enjoy that bargain price while you can. Incredible. <laughs> Stock up on the jerry cans. Yep. Hey, some bargains in homes too, Dora, now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All you need to do so- is buy one, apparently. <laughs> You do need to buy one, and and if you if you look at the inventory in six hundred one ninety four hundred four, sort of our trading area, we're up at twenty eight hundred active units for sale. With wow. on top of that, another six hundred rentals. So inventory really, really has crept up. The sales have have softened, and we've seen you know a very, very dramatic, quick shift to a much quieter market. So if you have been on the fence, if you have, you know, in the last 24 months, um, as buyers, we've become accustomed to these double digit increases in pricing. Um, but uh, if, if you are out there and you are looking for a house, this is the time to, to go buy one. Are we, sure. are we balanced Dis- or buyers now? Oh, no, we're still quite a ways away from a balanced market. So, I mean, the the market hasn't behaved in a, uh, the real estate market has not been performing typically, normally, historically for the last few years. So any change is going to feel like a, a massive shift. But the reality is days on markets, the, the market is still very robust. Days on markets have increased. We're at about, you know, 25, 30, 15 in some areas. Um, the prices are up about 40% from three years ago. But to be a balanced market, we need about four months of inventory. And so though the power has shifted a little bit from the sellers to the buyers, and you know, buyers are feeling much more empowered right now, really the, the control is still a little bit in the seller's hands, except for situations where people purchased first and now they're in a situation where they must sell and so some sellers you know purchase before selling and now are forced to accept lower prices to complete their transactions you know this this is only going to be a finite number of properties so we will see this taper off and balance in the next couple of months but right now it is it is if you look at our real estate market and if you look at our prices the price points are decreasing you know week to week to week there are homes for sale and you can just see them dropping and dropping and dropping because some some sellers are in situations where they must sell we blame it it's all on rates already. Right, frank well, the rates, but I think it's changed. At least I feel with my customers, it's changed already. Where my clients are saying we're going to sell before we buy, where oh, you know that's absolutely. changed a hundred percent over the last absolutely. three months. Where now they got to put their house uh, old school, uh, traditional right. real estate, where you sell your house. And then once you got your house sold, now you can start looking because the inventory is yep. out there now. 
Well, and that's, you know, how many times on the show did we say, well, I'd like to move, but what am I going to buy? Well, right now there's an awful lot that one can buy. So if you have been, you know, for the last 24 months thinking that you would like to make a move, but just weren't comfortable to do it during the pandemic, during, you know, all of the, the, the flux that was happening, um, there, there is, there is opportunity. And honestly, um, you must, I think, sell before you buy for the most part. Yeah, we're back where we were three, we're back where we were three years ago, right, Dora? Yeah. Absolutely. We're sort of pre-pandemic and, and all of that excitement that happened with the real estate market across the board for the pandemic was, was, was terrific. There was a lot of equity gain. There was a lot of difference, but, but we're, we're back to where we were. And we're yeah, following even though, uh, you know, you talked about the fact that, you know, the numbers suggest that we don't have four months of inventory, but you got to admit, it feels like it's, a balanced market and maybe teetering towards a buyer's market the way things are going right now. I, absolutely. So, so I, 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 I agree that that's what it feels like very, yeah. very much so. And particularly in the situations where, where one must sell. So it is. And then once somebody takes a lower price and the neighbor takes a lower price and that sets the tone, just like it was setting the tone the opposite way during the pandemic where, you know, we were seeing 6% increases month over month. Well, the average in the last 60 years in the Ottawa real estate market has been about a 6% increase year to year. So we're, we're sort of shifting back and and absolutely buyers buyers are feeling very empowered and and the the reality is if your home needs maintenance if your home needs paint if your home needs TLC and care there are going to be fewer and fewer people interested in 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 going after your property because there are different choices and with the interest rates as high as they are people have i at least in my experience fewer savings and fewer access to less access to cash flow so if there are repairs to be done in the house well well it's easier to purchase a house that's already been taken care of than one that needs the work it's going to get more difficult to get that home equity line of credit to make those repairs though eh, frank according to uh, off see next year some changes it is the end of next year so we still have some time uh, you can still go go about it the way you are but again it's a minor change they really have an impact that i don't think it'll impact the market that much all they're saying is that to access your line of credit, but this is the end, I think, of 2023. By the time it goes into uh, effect, you have to have 65%. Um, your mortgage can only be, your mortgage and line of credit can only be 65% of the equity in the home. So for you to have access to that line of credit. So um, again, and, and you know, I, I think between now and then we're going to see a lot of changes. I think that... Uh, I feel at least my eyes tell me that our economy is starting to struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people are starting to struggle. People are watching their dollars and cents much more than they did a few months ago. Um, interest rates are have, have had the biggest impact on the real estate market being what it is. I think that first-time home buyers are going to pay the biggest price for this right now because home values have gone up tremendously and interest rates have gone up tremendously. So qualifying is tougher. This has opened the door though, in my opinion, for uh, first previous first time home buyers who are looking for that second home. I think they're in a position where they could, if they wanted to move up now, 
because number one, I mean, they'll still get good money for the house that they bought four, five, six, seven years ago. They've done very well on that home. So they've got a lot of equity built into it. Uh, and now they can look around for that second home and not be in a position like three, four months ago where they're having to overpay for it. So, um, so I think that opens the door for that second, third time home buyer, the downsizer, I think is in a strong position right now. The people that are not in a good position right now are first time home buyers, but the interest rates have touched the fives. I don't think that's long-term in my opinion. I think that the, uh, I think it's a short term right now, just to, just what we're going through. We're a week and a half away from Bank of Canada making another announcement of raising their prime rate. The money is still on prime going up three quarters of a point. It could be only half a percentage point, but it feels like three quarters of a percentage point is what he's going to do. And then hopefully that'll be the last of the big increases. And then hopefully after that, he'll he'll start to to you know if he has to increase it he'll do it in the standard quarter percent increments instead of these big uh big big jumps that we've seen over the last three months yeah that 75 would be a first right frank first the 50 was a first the first 50 was a first in 30 years so they did 100 twice they they did 100 once before right long time ago though i mean i mean yeah so this is uh, again i mean we can't you know as much as we like to use history the bottom line is that you know the debts that consumers across the world carry today is totally different than it was 30 years ago. So the impact is much greater when you see these big increases than it was then only because companies uh, are all sitting with lines of credits, business lines of credits, and those are all priced based on what prime rate is. So that's where the bigger impact is. Yeah, big concern over lines of credit, but where's the big concern over, you know, the bad debt, the visa? The, None. The visa you know why? In their opinion... Uh, and again, I mean, it's not, to me, it's wrong, but visas, credit cards, uh, those loans, personal loans, car loans to them, keep the economy rolling. And if they were to go sideways, it doesn't impact the economy as as harshly as, and not only that, the government's not really uh, at jeopardy or any risk on car loans and personal loans because mm-hmm. the banks make lots of money, so they don't care. On the housing side, I mean, obviously, they've got default insurance that they're concerned about if they have to pay out default insurance. And not to mention the fact that the, if the housing economy were to crash, we saw what happened, you know, in the U.S. in 2008, 2009. So that's the thing that they're really protecting. They say they're protecting us against just right be, now. Just before we go to the break, how much default has there been with insured mortgages? There, There is still next to nothing. I mean, we're, we're still very, very low, according to what the lenders tell us. Now, um, they are they are saying to us that, you know, the likelihood is that those those default ratios could start to go up now that but it's not because of anything other than inflation and the fact that the cost of everything else has gone up so much that that's what's impacting people making their mortgage payments. That being said, you know, the rule of thumb with Canadians is that you sell your car if you have to to make your mortgage payment. You do not miss a mortgage payment because missed mortgage payments cost you a lot of money in the long run because getting another mortgage later on if you've missed a mortgage payment is next to impossible. So, you know, I you know, I always say to everybody, whatever cost, make your mortgage payment, even if you got to borrow it from a credit card for short term. And if you can't afford that house, then you really got to sit down and rethink whether it's time to sell that house. If you just can't afford it, you need to act. Yeah, you got to be proactive. You can't wait. Yeah, 
you can't wait. Even mm-hmm. the lawyer's fees alone, if you go into default, are incredible, right? What the banks mm-hmm. charge you, what the lenders charge you, if you go into default, every time they send you a letter, it's hundreds of dollars. It's crazy what they charge you, and they have it written in, in the fine print that nobody reads. Yeah. So, 521-TALK, 521-8255. We will be right back on this sunny day. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back. Dora, I guess we shouldn't be surprised if things slow down this time of year. That's pretty normal for July and August, right? It is pretty normal. July and August, sort of, you know, the last uh, couple of years, seasonality out the window. We had, you know, some of our most active months in the winter months. And for Ottawa with our winters, that's pretty unusual. Um, but Given the beautiful weather, given the fact that school is out, people can get together, all sorts of things are open. It is it is common to see to see a bit of a slowdown in the summer for yeah, sure. I know the I last, mean, we're the, seeing a, a the last the last two years we we pretty much can throw out the norm, right? There was no norm the last <laughs> two years. But <laughs> now it's so, now I get a sense we're getting back into what we used to call normal. I think so. I mean, and that that's what I'm seeing. And that's what we're seeing at our brokerage and, and across the board talking to, you know, colleagues from from all over, we are seeing sort of this, this, this return to normal. And because it was so abnormal for the last two years, any change is going to feel like a massive, massive shift. But really, we're just sort of, you know, floating back to where we used to be. Now, what does where, this mean for people that know, want to downsize? Is it, is it more difficult to sell a bigger home? It, it, it's always traditionally been a bit more difficult to sell a, a, a bigger home. But with the equity gains in the townhomes, less so. And I think the biggest thing is that if, if your life has changed, whether, you know, you feel the maintenance of your house is too much, whether you don't want stairs, whether your family has grown or it has shrunk or, or whatever it is, your job has changed and you're thinking of, of moving to make your life a little bit better. Um, if you want a home, that uh, that will be better for your individual situation, whether it's location, size, layout, it's a great time to consider that move. Um, I think that the prices have sort of hit a peak and, uh, and we're, you know, if your house is ready to go, there's no sense in waiting. Yeah. Hey, Frank, the reverse mortgage changes that are coming in 2023, that going to make much of a difference where you can only get up to 65% instead of 80 I don't think so. I think it's hard to get up to that 80 anyway. I mean, your age has to be up there to get up to the 80. I think 65 is more than enough. And honestly, you know, there's a risk to a lender if they go too high anyway. So uh, I've I've rarely seen any that get up even close to 80. Most of them are in the 50s and 60s anyway. There's more than enough, especially with the increase in values over the last couple of years. There's certainly a lot of, uh, you know, we're working on one now and, you know, the house is valued at 700 and, uh, uh, because one of the participants is in their uh, mid fifties. I mean, they were still able to get two hundred twenty-five thousand bucks on a seven hundred thousand dollar home, so not bad at all. Um, but again, this person's uh, uh, on the file. Uh, you know, again, they did it from a standpoint of uh, you know, should something happen to the parents, they wanted one of the kids' names on title, so that's why that person's fifty-five. Otherwise, they would have gotten close to sixty or sixty-five percent because they're in their eighties, but. They don't need that much. They're happy with just the 225, which will get them through, hopefully, for the next 10, 15 years uh, that they have. A reverse mortgage is a very small percentage of mortgages now? 
very, very small percentage. I think they're going to grow, obviously. I mean, as, as the population continues to age and people want to stay in their homes. And listen, I can't, you know, there was a time when I used to say, uh, nah, like, why not go into, but the way the healthcare system is today, I can certainly understand why some people want to stay in their homes for longer because the healthcare mm-hmm. isn't what, what it should be. That being said, I mean, I've also got some uh, family and friends that work at some of these retirement and nursing homes, and they say they're absolutely fantastic. It's like going to a five-star hotel. So depending on which one you go to uh, will uh, determine whether it's you know it's the right move. But those places aren't cheap either. I mean, most of those run anywhere between four to $6,000 a month, so yeah. not cheap. But again, there's no upkeep. And everything gets done for you, including all your meals. So, well, that's what know, I do. That's what we like about it, eh, Frank? Well, that's what I would like about it. No, uh, I mean the, nurse, the, the, the nursing home we're at. That's the one. That's, yes. Oh, yeah. The, the, whole, the nursing home you're at. I'm not there yet. <laughs> But it's also the social aspect. So though sure. people are staying in their homes longer um, and it's more comfortable for people, I think the social aspect um, and sort of that effect on your longevity is terrific. Like the, they, they've got garden centers and they've got all sorts of wonderful, wonderful things for people. I, I don't know. I think they're great. You know what? I, I, bet, it, I bet it's not going to be long before grandkids are starting to move in with their grandparents, share, and, well, share the house. That I think coach homes are going to start to make a comeback now that the prices have gone up the way they have. So now, you know, I saw that a company is starting to promote coach homes again that we talked about a number of years ago that didn't quite fly the way it should have. But all of a sudden, there's another company that's talking about the coach homes. I think the city is going to be a little bit more open to, you know, reducing some of those restrictions on coach homes. Uh, but I think they have to do everything they can and look at all the developments that are going up. Some of the new places, like you're not seeing the big lots unless you're in the outskirts. Uh, now, now we're seeing a lot of units within a small parcel of land as opposed to mm-hmm. one or two units. So well, A, we need more units and B, it makes more sense for a builder, right? For sure. hundred percent. Absolutely. All right. So what happens well, now with the, with the gap, Dora, between say a townhome and a single family home? Is that gap closing? The the gap is is closing because the inventory is rising, and so as as people need to sell, that's closing. The one thing that I I thought was fascinating this morning, I was just looking at you know the three largest centers. So let's say West End suburbs, Southern suburbs, and and East suburbs. So Canada, Stittsville, Barhaven, Riverside South, and Orleans. Looking at freehold townhomes. There are 95, um, 109, and 57 units available. And there were weeks at a time where we were saying, you know, there are three houses for sale. There are five houses for sale. There are no houses for sale. And so the same goes for the the single detached homes. So as the inventory creeps up, the... um, and the interest rates creep up, there is bound to be an effect on the values of the homes that are currently listed. And so that the higher end homes are going to to decrease in pricing, and that's going to push down, I think, some of the pricing, sort of the reverse effect of what we saw in the pandemic, where the the gains were so big that the margins were so small between the townhomes and the single family homes. And now we're seeing that reverse effect. And by push down pricing, how much are you talking about? Not a huge amount? Maybe five eight percent. I think five eight percent. I think in some areas we might see ten fifteen. 
um, depending on how quickly and, and how desirable they are. So with people going back to working in the offices, sometimes, you know, the outskirts did very, very well. And uh, we saw increases of 35, 40% in the last couple of years of homes in the larger homes right now. I think they're, I think they're struggling a little bit because there aren't as many people looking out there. Yeah. And so those areas, we might see a more significant decrease. And that puts us back where we were three years ago. It does. It really does. And and it like it's it it for first time buyers, it's tough. The interest rates are so high that even, you know, because the equity gains, even though we're seeing a softening, the equity gains are so big that purchasing a home in and around the six hundred thousand dollar mark with five percent down really, it's not very affordable for a lot of people. So that's where it's sort of tough. But for everybody else, you know, the balance isn't such a horrible thing. We saw a complete deterioration of affordability in Ottawa. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. The phones we go say hello to Rick. Hello, Rick. Good day, sir. How are you? Ah, good. This is a, this is a very unique situation because Rick is actually a friend of Paul's who admits being a friend of Paul's. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? We're, I just want to let you know here, uh, Frank and, and uh, everyone that's over there, we're actually at a seminar here at the Thousand Islands uh, on uh, real estate researching for Canada Long Weekend. So we're researching real estate. So we're not doing anything else but studying today. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that well, nose is growing, Rick. Well Come on, Rick. For what you do full time, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that, uh, you know, there's, there's two parts to this question. So the first part, so again, we're all researching here. We're at the Thousand Islands. Uh, properties actually uh, look very good here. So we're at uh, one of our, our, our friends, uh, a very good uh, real estate uh, mogul, Josh Batley and uh, Paul Rushforth and also uh, Mr. Cote. So we're sitting here and we're talking and because we're coming up to a big charity golf tournament, we're talking about how much <laughs> Cote, Adam Cote uh, has like wiped the floor uh, with a uh, mortgage. Uh, I think, I don't know, Frank, you bring a team of B-listers and I think Cote brings a team of A-listers. So we were just reminiscing about that. Oh, you were. The uh, difference is Adam pays for the talent to come to the show where I actually bring friends that uh, I know. That's the difference. So the that's one, okay. I don't know if you guys know. So uh, we are actually renting a cottage. I don't, do you guys know, and this is a real estate question, liability insurance. Do you guys know if you're renting liability insurance? <laughs> <laughs> so if someone is renting a cottage and they walk into a bathroom, they happen to say they slip on a bath mat, fall into the hot tub, are the owners or who's responsible for that? Homeowners, yeah. I would say. I mean, no different than, uh, no, I would, so yeah, did, uh, did you fall? That's okay. I no, mean, I, I would say Paul's responsible. So no matter so what, if you're yeah. renting a cottage, it falls under the liability, you slip, you fall, you hurt yourself, it's. Yeah, you sue homeowners. Policy. Yeah, you sue Paul. homeowners policy. Mm-hmm. See, see, this is a really good question. Thank you for answering that. <laughs> Did you fall, Rick? Go for no, it. it. Go it, for it, it all, Rick. Me, I'm uh, like I said. We're like myself, uh, Adam Cote, Paul Rushworth, uh, Josh Bowley. We're here studying uh, the land and the, the the stuff, so to see how the market is growing. But uh, thank you so much for and happy Canada. Thank you so much for doing the show for Paul. He was very busy. We're in books right now. We're I don't know, like we're okay. So eight to hundred. So let me just oh, say, let me just say, here's how boring these four people are. They're they're at a cottage and the Thousand <laughs> Islands, and they're listening to this show. 
Yeah. No life. Greatest, no life. The greatest show on, on, on radio right now. So why wouldn't you? Thank you, Rick. With the best. Thanks, enjoy. Happy Canada Day, folks, and uh, enjoy everything. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. They, they start early in the Thousand Islands, don't they? Uh, <laughs> I bet you Paul hasn't bought anything while he's down there. <laughs> hey, speaking of Thousand Islands and the like, what's cottage industry doing right now? Are cottages selling? Do we know? Cottages are selling, though we are seeing a, I, I, I've noticed at least on, you know, Big Rito area, Calabogie, the, uh, the prices have softened from, from this time last year. So we did see an extraordinary peak. Um, prices are softening, but their properties are selling very, very, very quickly. Yeah, that's, much, that's, that's what much. it was. That's what it was last year, too. You know, and actually in the mm-hmm. last two years, people were jumping to cottages, boats, that kind of thing. That's that's right. Well, I think too, it was sort of a generational gap where I think for, for a long time, a lot of families had cottages. And then when their children became adults, they didn't really necessarily want the maintenance and everything else. And in the pandemic, I think flip that and people have re reassessed and cottages are still very, very popular. And they're, why not? They're wonderful. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if instead of buying that home, that first home, People are going to rent and buy a cottage for at least a little while anyways until they can figure out what the market's going to do. Frank, what do you think? Uh, again, I mean, uh, you know, for first-time home buyers, renting seems to make sense right now. You get into cottages, uh, they're expensive, like Doris said, yeah. right? I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're um, you know, if you've got equity, if you've built up equity in your home and you're able to manage to carry, you know, potentially the mortgage on your home and the mortgage on a cottage, then go ahead and do it. But, you know, from a buying standpoint, I'd like to think that, you might be better off to buy it in the fall when prices might come down a little bit uh, versus in the peak, which are now. But then again, mm-hmm. I mean, if you buy a cottage now, I'm betting that the vendor will probably say, well, you can have possession in September, October anyway. So, that's right. Uh, that's right. you know, they're going to use it for the summer. But, um, you know, uh, again, I mean, for some people, they have to rent. They just they can't they they either can't afford it or it's just too stressful for them to get into that kind of a commitment. So, uh, and it's not only the mortgage. I mean, you buy a cottage, there's upkeep, there's everything else that goes with it. So uh, it's not for everyone. Uh, But I think, again, you know, anybody that rents a cottage out there will tell you they're making good money when they rent it out for that week or two weeks. So... but it's it's a finite number of weeks where you can rent it. I mean, if you have a three season cottage, then you're looking, you know, three months, four months, November. That's right. If you're fortunate, if you've got a four season cottage, it's a bit different. But yep. I mean, sort of, you know, speaking of getting back. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of speaking of renting, uh, are people now buying homes and and renting out portions of them? Uh, well, that's uh, been my experience. Yeah. I've come across customers that now, unfortunately, if you're renting out a room, if you're going through a traditional lender, they're not going to include that income. If you need that income to qualify, unless it's a separate dwelling altogether, they're not going to use it. Alternate lenders will allow us to use it. So, you know, if you're going to an alternate lender, you know, they've got more flexibility where if you provide them with, you know, a lease of somebody renting a room for six or 700 bucks a month, They'll work with that. But if you go to a traditional lender, you won't. But I think people are doing it on the side. What I would say to people, if you're doing that, make sure your insurance company knows that you're doing that. The last thing you need is for, and listen, insurance companies are always looking to get out of paying if if they can avoid it. 
the last thing you need is for the insurance company to find out that somebody that's not in your family and you rented out a room and they started a fire of the house. The last thing you need is now to have a court battle on that when really what you should be doing is just being upfront with them and telling them that you've got, you know, you're renting out a room so that your policy is covered at that point. Now, if you're renting out a room or two, what happens to capital gains when you go to sell? Uh, Again, I mean, I think that your accountant would be best to tell you how to proceed with that. There is an element of rental income in there. And if you're claiming rental income on your tax return, then it, it, I think it comes down to the percentage of the home that's being rented out. So if somebody's mm-hmm. renting out just a room and that room represents 15% of the home, uh, then I think there's, there's capital gains on that 15% from the time. And again, it's very important that if you're going to do that, get an appraisal on your home at that time, the time that you rent it out, so that you know what the value is. And then when you sell it, you'll know what the final value is and you'll be able to calculate the capital gains based on that. Are we all finding first-time home buyers getting more and more creative now? Well, it's not creative. Well, um, it's like they can't they can't buy. To be honest with you, right. I mean, you know, you got a first-time home buyer. If you're buying a townhouse for six hundred thousand dollars, and you're only putting five percent down, just your mortgage payment is in the thirty-four, thirty-five hundred dollar a month range where in, yeah. where interest rates are today. You start and adding property, property tax to that, and your every, but utilities, whether you're renting or not. You know, you got to pay them wherever you are, but you know, you're close to 4,000 bucks. Well, last I checked, you could still rent a townhouse for anywhere between 2,200 and 2,500. So, you know, financially on a monthly basis, you're better off to rent than you are to buy at this time, even though you lose out on potential increases in the value. But it's not about that. For some people, it's more about the cash flow right now and just managing (laughs) their cash flow. Dora, do you see those rents going up now too? Um, that's a, that's a tricky question because they, they, there are more units for rent. And so it will just become a supply and demand issue, right? So if somebody is purchasing a home and they'd like to stay balanced, yes, they're going to try to sneak the rents up, but the, for the most part, there's a lot of competition with the rentals. And so they, they, they will tend to stay about the same and it becomes an affordability issue because the more they creep up the closer they creep to a purchase and so then you know it's it it, people get more creative and try to purchase versus staying as renters have you seen real estate investment go down a little bit now that interest rates have gone up are people not as willing to get investment properties or does it matter I think we're we, we've come to a point where where you know investors thought Ottawa was a really great place to to buy. We're a very stable market. We've always been a very robust market, and I think investors are always a little bit um, timid. So if with everything in flux, with the interest rates increasing, I think investors right now are a little bit on the sidelines, yeah. and that's I think contributing to our increased inventory is that some of that buying power is now gone. Which is not bad because we needed the inventory, right? We needed the inventory. We needed the prices to soften a little bit to help out some people. And we're, we're returning back to a bit of a normal market. This is, this is so weird. This last three years in real estate and, uh, and now with mortgages and interest rates, it's under, unprecedented. unprecedented. It really is. Unpre- it, it, it really is. It really is. I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, I'm ready for some precedent at times. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Hey, hey, hey real quickly, Steve, uh, uh, Mike Carchetto, you know, gives us a lot of info throughout the week um, um, and a loyal listener. 
you know, he had a conversation with someone who's 64 years old and he was on Facebook having a conversation with a 64 year old lady who say to him, like, my bank's not going to give me a mortgage. I'm 64. Like, why would they give me a mortgage at 64? And Mike, because he listens to our show, he, you know, he said, I don't think that's right. I think they cannot discriminate against age. And Mike, you're absolutely right. A bank can never, ever, ever say to you, you're, you're too old to be able to get a mortgage. You can get a mortgage with a 30-year amortization, even if you're 64 years old. They cannot tell you that they won't give you a mortgage at all because of age. Other factors they can say no to, but age is not one of them. Age race is not, you know... They cannot say no because of those factors. So you know what they they shouldn't even have to know your age. <laughs> well, I think actually, you know, don't I, get me started. There's a lot of things they don't need to know when you're going for yes, a mortgage. Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Doris is here. Frank is here. Paul is somewhere uh, fallen down in the Thousand Islands. <laughs> <laughs> Working. Oh, yes, that's right. Researching. That's researching, right. researching. Researching, yeah. Researching yeah, yeah. beers and alcohol is what they're researching. Yeah. Researching yeah. and listening. Uh, listen, mm-hmm. it's, we know it's important right now, obviously, to get a good agent, Dora, because when times like this get a little bit tighter. But how important is it to make sure your agent vets who they're Who's dancing over there? Is that the dog, Frank? Uh, it's my dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's happy to see me. Somebody is. Ay, ay, ay. This, show, this show has gone to hell. Yeah, <laughs> how impor- no, it's, how uh, important is it for an agent to vet their clients these days to make sure that I they think, do qualify for what they're looking at? I think if you're, if you're working with sellers, it's very important that you have a very good working relationship with the buyer's agents to make sure that the people, the clients that are purchasing the home have proper financing, that they have, you know, if an appraisal comes in short, that they have the ability to make up the difference to do all of that. If you are working with buyers, it's really important for them to, to have you know, a proper pre-approval to know what the fees are going to be, to know what all the expenses are going to be in terms of taxes and everything else. It's, it's a, it's, um, it's the first conversation you need to have is affordability, right? Because everyone can say, well, I'd like a house and I'd like this and I'd like open modern concept and I would like all this wonderful stuff. But if you can't afford that, that's the very first step you need to make. Yeah. And if they don't even qualify, you're wasting everybody's time, right? That's right. That's right. Well, and I think now, particularly with with sellers, is that we are seeing some some appraisals come in a little bit lower than what the home sold for in the peak at you know February March, and so it is on the onus is on the buyers to make up the difference, and that's you know where a, a an experienced agent, a qualified person, would have asked those questions of the buyer's agent to make sure that uh, the deal could still the transaction could close despite anything happening. It's where you have to be careful these days, eh, Frank, overpaying? Overpaying for a house? Very careful. I mean, lenders are asking for more and more appraisals based on what's happening in the market over the last three months. So 
Uh, we've had scenarios where appraisals have come in lower. Now, again, fortunate in many cases where clients are buying with 30 or 35 percent down if it's their second home. So it doesn't impact the financing per se because they've already got more than the 20 percent down. So they qualify for that amount. But, you know, if you're buying a house with 5% down or just 20%, it can just barely get to 20%. You have to be prepared yes. to potentially have to go through default insurance if the appraised value comes in lower. So you do have to be careful for sure. Now, if somebody got pre-approved three, four months ago, should they see you again, Frank? They have no choice because the rates from yes. three, four months ago have gone up one, 2% and their pre-approval is about to expire. So mm-hmm. again, the good mortgage brokers out there that uh, work all the time, uh, and stay on top of their client base, then then at that point they can uh, and they should be connecting with customers with a month left, a month and a half, and just you know just informing them that their rates uh, about to expire and, and and they can restart it again. But it's going to come to the dismay of a lot of potential purchasers because uh, their payments are going to go up four, five, six hundred dollars, and all of a sudden it's it's going to put them in a position where maybe it's not time to buy and they're going to sit on the sidelines, unfortunately. Now, you were talking about re-amortizing uh, a little while ago. If you had a secured mortgage, say, five years ago, where you could only get a 25-year amortization, could you now get it changed to a 30-year am? Yeah, that's what we're seeing now is uh, clients that are coming off of their five years. And about five years ago, most clients that got mortgages were in the high twos, low threes. So all of a sudden, they're coming to the shock where... You know, during this time frame of five years, they saw real estate prices skyrocket. Good for them. They've got a lot of equity in their home. They saw rates hit rock bottom lows just a short year and a half ago in the ones and twos. And now, you know, of course, they say bad luck because of all the timing we have. Our mortgage happens to mature at a time when rates are now 5%. So the solution to that is, is if cash flow is the most important thing for them, uh, what they can do is they can refinance their property. It'll probably cost them about 1500 bucks in legal fees and appraisal fees, but they're able to refinance it, take a 30-year amortization based on the equity that they've built in the property and keep the payments fairly similar to what they're accustomed to now. Now, again, this is a, this is a short-term solution for many, and they have to understand that they've built up a lot of equity in the home that they probably weren't expecting. Five years ago, none of us, today would have told you that the house was worth what it is. So they're way further ahead. So And there's you know, nothing stopping them from putting more down too, right? If you get it. No, there isn't. Not at all. I mean, yeah. you know, you take advantage Absolutely. of the prepayment privileges. Most of the people that we're meeting that want to do this, it's because the cost of everything else has gone up so much that mm-hmm. they'd rather just play it safe right now. You know, get that mortgage, get that home equity line of credit behind it so that they're in a position where if things were to go south, they've got something to fall back on. That's so right. That's right. it does make sense. Plan now. Like, don't don't put yourself in a position where you max out your credit cards and then you need to do it because then it's going to become even more expensive and potentially you're not going to get approved for it. I always say, try to get ahead of it. If you see that you're going to struggle later on, Try to do it before you get really into the weeds because it's going to be much easier to qualify when everything is nice and clean as opposed to your credit score will go down if you're close to the limits. Um, And at whatever cost, do not miss any payments. If you think you're not going to be able to make it happen, start the process now that you're not behind on any payments because once you get behind on payments – it becomes much more expensive to get financing. Just before we end all this, uh, make sure you get an agent in before you think about selling to make sure that you're not doing too many renovations that don't have to be done. But you are going to need to make it look pretty, right, Dora? You are. You're going to have to do some of the maintenance. You're going to have to 
clean up the paint. You might have to change out some light fixtures. There's there's a lot to be said for a home that shows well, that shines, that's that's very, very pretty. And one that's, you know, been maintained. Yeah. So if there are repairs to be done, um, with the inventory increasing as much as it has, and with the number of sales week over week, you know, really, really, really tightening up, um, there, there's more competition. So it's it's time to have somebody in, somebody with a lot of experience in that can guide you and then market your home appropriately so that you're one of the few sales that happen. Yeah, and put a nice bowl of lemons. Yeah, I was going to say, where you yeah. used to put, where you put four lemons, put eight maybe now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Birthdays, That's Frank. Right. Uh, just a couple, uh, Franco Briglio, who joined us from TD earlier this year, a good friend of mine uh, celebrating his birthday this week. And my future son-in-law celebrating his birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday to Shaf. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah. Dora, anything special? Uh, nope. Nope. Just me. <laughs> Other than Frank and I. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, it was a pleasure, Dora. So, so much better looking at you for an hour and listening to you for an hour. Have a great yeah. week, folks. Goodbye, Support everybody. local businesses and charities, everyone. Yeah.